Welcome to Cookbook Club. We are home cooks from Portland, Oregon. I'm Sarah Gray. And I'm Renee Wilkinson. And joining us from our Cookbook Club is Rebecca Rinquist. Hey, yo. We're so glad that you're here, Rebecca. Every other episode of Cookbook Club will be focused not on a cookbook, but a cooking topic. Today, we're going to talk about making ice cream at home. Ice cream, sorbet, gelato, boozy popsicles, granitas. We have recipes we're excited to talk about and techniques. And hopefully it inspires you to whip up some of these frozen treats this summer. I can already tell that this episode is going to make me so hungry. Do you guys love ice cream? Yes, in a big way. (laughs) Me too. So have you guys made a lot of ice cream at home? I've made a lot of ice cream at home. I've made a little bit of ice cream at home. I worked at a soft serve place in junior high and high school, and it was one of my all-time favorite jobs. I loved it so much, and I often literally have dreams about it. I had this reoccurring dream that the ice cream shop calls me and wants to reopen the shop, but, but has forgotten how to make all the special treats. And it's a really heroic dream because in the dream I say, oh my gosh, I remember. I know <laughs> I know how to make the fudge That's barrels amazing. and the all the different sundaes that they specialized in and stuff, and I'm a, I'm a hero. So it's a really good dream, and I often think about that job. I haven't made a ton of ice cream at home. I've made a little bit. I have a, a little Cuisinart ice cream maker, and it's super fun to make ice cream. I also went through 10 years of not eating any dairy because of lactose intolerance, and now I'm back to eating dairy, and I couldn't be happier about it. That's so exciting. I've been experimenting <laughs> with ice cream a little bit recently, and it's been a welcome return to my life. Nice. Did you guys make the ice cream at the ice cream shop that you worked no, at then? No, it was sort of... Um, off-brand Dairy Queen, yeah, you know, the Dairy Cream in Michigan. And um, so we served soft serve ice cream and hard pack ice cream. Is that what you'd call it? I think so. Scooped ice cream. So I I can make a really perfect swirl cone. Oh, nice. Small, medium, and large. There's a life skill. Totally. That should be on your resume. (laughs) I know. If only. (laughs) Um, My my career took a different path. But one of the weirdest things we had there was they had this product called the mystery bar. Uh And so if we made, you know, customers would come to the counter and order. And if for some reason you messed up their order, like you added chocolate sauce and they ordered butterscotch or something like that, we dumped it into this plastic tub in one of the freezers. Mm -hmm. Wow. Anything, except there were two rules, no cones and no bananas. But anything else would go in there, like wow. a blizzard. They had off-brand blizzards called flurries. Uh-huh. So a flurry, hard-packed ice cream, soft-packed ice cream, Whoa. anything. And then when it got full, the owner would take it out and let it get soft a little bit, smash it down so it was firm, and then refreeze it and cut it into bricks. Wow. And then put popsicle sticks in and dip it in that hard-coat chocolate. Uh-huh. Oh, my and gosh. they were surprisingly amazing. I wow. bet. Weird. I mean, you might have one that had like strawberry and mint chip and right. a cookies and cream blizzard flurry, but they were always Whoa. good and they were always a hit with customers. We didn't always have them, but when we did, people were like, ah, mystery bars at the Dairy Cream. Oh, wow. Come I love and get that it. idea. <laughs> it's a nice, uh, no and waste like, approach. No waste. Yeah. yeah. I also love the no decision making. That's what's most yeah. appealing to me. Yeah. Like when you Just want give me ice something cream. Delicious. Yeah. I mean, does it matter what flavor? Really? Really at the end of the day. <laughs> it's like leftover night. For ice cream. Yeah. That's the best kind of leftovers. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty brilliant, actually. Um, I have another good story, which is that the one day we were all working and it was like a rainy night and somebody left the lever on on the soft serve machine. Oh, no. Yeah. So we came around the corner and there was a mountain, <gasps> like maybe a foot and a half 
tall mountain of soft serve oh my on gosh. the floor. It probably went until it run, ran the machine out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my like God. all the soft serve. And I worked with this girl who was really kind of uptight and was like, well, we need to clean that up right away. And I, I was like, guys, <laughs> Get a spoon. this is an opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, we are surrounded by hot fudge peanuts, <laughs> sprinkles. Like we are surrounded by all the accoutrement. Don't let like, this, this moment is an opportunity. pass you by. <laughs> I mean, just don't let your spoon at the floor. Exactly. Yeah. I really think that speaks to the essence of who you are as a person, Rebecca, <laughs> that you would see that. And Did you like, end up eating it? I don't remember. Yeah. It was a long time ago, but. I have a happy like ice cream memory, which is that um, I have an aunt who is a wonderful cook and she makes this thing. She calls it a Buster Bar dessert. And it's basically like also a riff on a Dairy Queen thing. So, you know, like the peanut butter, peanut buster barfait. Barfait. <laughs> you know? The, I don't want to eat a barfait. <laughs> He's a yum. The peanut buster <laughs> barfait. Um, so it's like a riff on that. So you you just buy like commercial ice cream and you soften it and you like layer it in a dish. Like a cake Like a pan? 9 by 13. Yeah. Nice. And then you make your own hot fudge, which is like a condensed milk mm. and um, chocolate chip thing. And then you put like roasted peanuts in there and then you top it with whipped cream and then you freeze it solid and you like cut it into squares. Oh my gosh. It's cool. really good. Um, Sunday bars. Yeah. And I don't know if that was like an original recipe that she came up with, but it's like a specialty and it's a legend. So she, hmm. she's a legend in my family. She's like the best cook in my whole family. And she also is just like a wonderful hostess. Mm. And she once hosted for her son, my cousin, a rehearsal dinner for his wedding at her home, like did all the cooking, did all the, like everything for like 40 or 50 people. Wow. And that was what she served for dessert. It was amazing. Wow, that sounds so good. I have no ice cream store experience or family (laughs) legends who make amazing casserole layered ice cream desserts, but I have made a lot of ice cream because when I got married, we received a Cuisinart ice cream maker also, and we didn't have kids. And so we had, we didn't think that we had time, but we looking back, we had plenty of time. So we would make, <laughs> right. make ice cream for like summer backyard parties, which was really fun. And mostly we just used like the recipe book from the ice cream maker to figure out kind of what you're talking about, Rebecca, sort of the basic like formula for how you make a good ice cream. And then mm-hmm. we would just wing it on the flavors. But then after we had kids, we really stopped making ice cream that required an ice cream maker because it just was one too many steps to remember to freeze the bowl. And so I'm more interested now in recipes, I think, that don't require the ice cream maker because it just makes it slightly easier to execute. Yeah. So you've done some granitas, right? Yeah. And that's really easy. Yeah. Granitas are super easy and they're really so conducive to small children in the house because the recipes that I use are basically fruit. Like there's a recipe from Mark Bittman from the New York Times that is a watermelon granita and it's super, super simple. You're basically taking, scooping out a watermelon, pureeing it, and then adding a tiny bit of sugar and a tiny bit of I think he calls for a lemon juice, but I use lime juice because I think that's mm. a better combination. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you pour it into a shallow pan in the freezer. And then every 30 minutes, you open the freezer and you just kind of scrape it up a little bit, scrape the top up so that you're making like more frozen ice crystals. Yeah. And then so it almost makes kind of a slushy. Right? Yeah. When my kids eat it, they think it's like a snow cone. Yeah. And then the flavor combinations are kind of endless. Megan Splawn from The Kitchen the website, The Kitchen, who's also the co-host of Didn't I Just Feed You, which is a totally awesome podcast. Love that podcast. It's so good. She has a recipe that is granita with any fruit. 
And I love that even more than the Mark Bittman version because it's like you guys know how I feel about these sort of flexible recipes that are kind of more of a template of how to make something. So I just love that she just says, here's the formula for how you make a granita, like use whatever fruit you want. It just seems very easy and fun. That sounds really good. Have you guys made no churn ice cream? I haven't, but I've had your no churn ice cream at Cookbook Club (laughs) and it was delicious. I'm such a fan of this. So I've made a lot of ice cream over the years. So I've discovered there's like a bunch of different techniques out there. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to get into ice cream, there is the sort of like bust out the ice cream maker, which you guys have that Cuisinart ice cream maker, which I think Mm -hmm. is like generally sort of the gold standard for ice cream makers. I have a different one. I have the one that hooks onto my KitchenAid mixer, which is awesome because I don't have to store a whole extra thing. But it is also still pretty clunky. And if it's not in the freezer when you want to make ice cream, then you're a day away from it at least. So that that part is really hard. The thing about making ice cream at home is that you're, you don't have access to all the like commercial stabilizers that go into it that will keep it from freezing solid or getting icy. Mm-hmm. So that's the tricky thing about making ice cream at home because you don't want something that's going to just freeze rock hard. Like it's not going to be enjoyable. The America's Test Kitchen, their general technique for keeping it from freezing super hard is to put alcohol in it. Really? Yeah. What type? Yeah, like vodka, vodka? Like something, oh. like a neutral alcohol. Okay, but a tiny amount probably. Yeah, it's not much. It's like a tablespoon or something in the whole batch. And so oh, interesting, it does it? work because it, you know, alcohol doesn't freeze. So it keeps it from freezing like totally solid because it's interspersed in the, like in the mix. I think it works, but you basically have to eat those ice creams within like two days. Why? Because then they do start to freeze more solid. Oh, uh-huh. Another book that I really like for that, like the classic, like go for it, use the ice cream maker stuff is Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams at Home by Jenny Britton Bauer. And she's the sort of like famous Ohio ice cream entrepreneur. The thing that I like about her book and all of her stuff is that she has really inventive flavors, Mm -hmm. which I really appreciate it. So like in the America's Test Kitchen, they're teaching you a technique, but their flavors are really basic. It's like, here's Mm -hmm. a vanilla, here's a chocolate. Jenny takes you to like flavor town, basically. Mm -hmm. She uses cream cheese and corn syrup in her at-home recipes. I don't think they do that in her shops because she has access, again, to like commercial stabilizers. Mm -hmm. But for making them at home, she recommends that you add cream cheese and corn syrup to all of the recipes. What does that add? It just keeps it from freezing (laughs) too hard. So it's like, it's all about this like game to get it not to freeze too hard. Does the like cream cheese somehow melt slightly faster than water? And that's why it's like mixed into the ice cream because when you take it out, it will just soften a little bit faster. Yeah, it probably doesn't freeze as solid in the first place. Because it's higher in fat. I guess you're making ice cream usually with heavy cream. So if you're making it with also cream cheese... Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. (laughs) And, you know, I recently said on an episode, like, I'm not so into the books that, like, really take you through the science of exactly why it works. But this is the time when it would be great to pull out one of those books and be like, Harold McGee, why does this work? Yeah. Tell me about her flavor combinations. So her flavor combinations are pretty amazing. So um, I have a couple that I really like. One that she's known for in her shops, which is the salted caramel. It's really, Mm. really good. And then she's got a riff on that that she suggests in the book that she calls it gravel road mm-hmm. so it's salted caramel ice cream with smoked almonds in it oh my god Ooh. yum <laughs> it's really really good it's also very rich and like the smokiness on those things just like will not quit i love smoked it's almonds. delicious one that i made I'm, my family didn't love it but i thought it was really really inventive it's a beet ice cream with poppy seeds in it Ooh. and it it's is very ukrainian so beautifully 
hot pink. Oh. Which is really cool. And she also says in the book that she doesn't actually like beets that much, but you can make the same ice cream with carrots, which is really interesting. It's sweet. I mean, it's like heavily sweetened, but yeah, it's like this beautiful hot pink. Does it have a beet flavor, like a detectable beet flavor? Yeah, it does. Which I like. I think I would love it. There's also a, she has a pumpkin ice cream in there that's a pumpkin five spice. So instead Mm. of having like the traditional, you know, like sort of pumpkin pie flavors, Mm -hmm. like and spices, she's gone like a little bit of a different way with the pumpkin five spice, which has that star anise in it. It like makes your tongue tingle a little bit. It's really interesting. My my four-year-old really turned up his nose at that one, but... Five spice is like traditionally yeah, like a, a Chinese, Chinese five spice yeah. mixture. Yeah, yeah exactly. That so sounds that's cool. kind of interesting. She also has a, like a black coffee ice cream in there that's really good. And she's got some sort of classics. Like she's got a milk chocolate one. She's got a hibiscus frozen yogurt Ooh. that's really, really good. Hmm. So she's got a frozen yogurt base in here that then like she applies a bunch of different flavorings too as well which is pretty cool interesting That's i wonder cool. if that would work with a non-dairy yogurt i don't know it's a good question and there might be a note in here about trying that but also this book is not terribly new and i feel like non-dairy yogurt is kind of new uh-huh. um i mean this book has probably it's been out for like 15 years in the last yeah, few years yeah that sounds like a good book worth it's checking a, out. i think it's a really good book in my experimentation i thought it was great until i sort of discovered something better you know like i don't love the technique of the cream cheese and corn syrup, because I feel like you can taste it on your tongue. Like it's mm. kind of like leaves like a film a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I could see that. Also, does do all of her recipes require an ice cream maker? Yeah, there might be a couple that don't, but there's a couple in here that are like ice cream adjacent. She has a recipe for a push pop. You make the frozen yogurt base and then you mix Kool-Aid into it. So they're like bright, bright colors. That's- so it's really just like frozen yogurt base, simple syrup, Kool-Aid. So I don't think you churn those ones. I think you like just mix them and then you freeze them in the push pop forms. It reminds me of what is the bakery in New York that now ships cakes like worldwide? Magnolia. Oh, Milk, Milk Bar. Bar. Milk Bar, where it's God, just like going for the low level ingredients. Yeah, like very like low. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mixing high and low. Cookies are amazing. If you're in New when you're in New York, yeah. you mm-hmm. get the corn cookie. Oh, my God. What is in the corn cookie? Well, it's corn flakes, right? It's like corn. Um, and fresh think- corn? I think it's like fresh, like dehydrated fresh corn. Or okay. Something. Oh, okay. I don't know. Whoa. It is so good, and it's wow. really it's like chewy and somehow gr- kind of gritty from the cornmeal, and it's like ugh. yum. Sounds it's good. Really good. I have done a non dairy no churn ice cream before that was like a coconut milk based mm. one, but it's not a recipe that I love and recommend because it just didn't. It turned out like overly sweet. And my kids didn't even want to eat it, which is kind of saying something for how Mm -hmm. overly sweet it was. So I haven't really mastered the no-churn ice cream, and I have not mastered the non-dairy ice cream. Well, get ready. I have not mastered the no-dairy ice cream, but I think I may have mastered the no-churn ice cream. I think the no-churn is the method. There should be some sort of background music right now that's like building (laughs) suspense, like a a massive drum roll. (laughs) I think that it is the apex of at-home ice cream. We're going to take a short break to catch our breath. We'll be right back. Dropcloth Samplers is a line of hand-drawn embroidery samplers, printed and ready for you to jump in and start stitching right away. Each pattern is hand-drawn by Rebecca Ringquist in her Portland, Oregon studio and printed for you to embroider with your own color and thread choices, like coloring book pages, but for embroidery. You can find Dropcloth Samplers on Etsy or on Instagram at Dropcloth.
don't think you can beat it. I don't think the America's Test Kitchen with their alcohol in there beats it. I don't think that any of this like cream cheese garbage is doing it. <laughs> that was pretty strong. That pretty strong, strong words. I like Shots it. fired. The no churn ice cream is amazing. So I've done a couple different ones. Some of them have been total misses. Okay. The recipe that is the total winner for me, it's like the most delicious ice cream I've ever tasted, commercial or not, wow. is the one from Vietnamese Food Any Day by Andrea Wen. It's a no-churn Vietnamese coffee ice cream. It was really good. It is a very specific flavor profile, but here's what I did. I went in, I took it apart, I played with the ratios, mm-hmm. and I made it vanilla, and it's awesome. What is the secret about, like, I mean, there's the method, right, of no churning. Like, you just pour it into a loaf pan or something and you freeze it and you're done. But then there must be, like, some special different base that requires you to not have to mix it. So what is the special base? The sweetened condensed milk. Mm. And you do have to mix it. The secret is, basically, what you're making is whipped cream Mm. with sweetened condensed milk in it. Mm. So the ratio that Andrea Wen uses in her recipe is one cup heavy cream Mm -hmm. to one third cup sweetened condensed milk. When I was doing this process and like experimenting with it, I had a lot of sweetened condensed milk and I kept opening half a can, using half a can and then pouring the rest into a little Tupperware and putting it in the freezer. Mm -hmm. And then I grabbed one last week and it was in one of those like flexible Tupperwares and I Mm -hmm. squeezed it. It doesn't freeze. Oh, interesting. It doesn't freeze at all. That's why it works. So I don't know if it's it's because of that. Yeah, I think it's because it's so sweet. That stuff does not freeze. So you mix one cup cream, which don't just make one cup. It's too good. Like make it two (laughs) cups of cream and two thirds of a cup. You need like the Costco quart. Yeah. But like (laughs) that's the ratio is one cup cream to a third cup sweetened condensed milk. And you have to whip it like whipped cream. Okay. And then you can add kind of whatever you want. And her Vietnamese coffee ice cream, it calls for a little bit of molasses, vanilla, and espresso powder. Mm -hmm. So I think that this would work probably only with flavors where you could introduce the flavor without introducing water. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, if you wanted mm. to put a fruit in it, yeah. I think you could do, like, a freeze-dried fruit, but I don't uh-huh. think that you could put, like, a fruit puree in it. I think that would mess with it. But I think that oh, you could freeze too hard. You could probably take the pure, the dehydrated strawberries, for example, mm-hmm. and pulverize them so it's a powder and mix it in. Yeah. And then I bet you could take quartered strawberries and sure. fold it in. Sure, so you do, still like, get more like, of a ribbon instead yeah, of, like, trying to get, whip like, it. some mm-hmm. whole fruit pieces in there. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's her flavor profile. That ice cream is phenomenal. She also says, like, if you want to gild the lily, throw some chocolate chips in there. Um, It's (laughs) so good. bars. Oh, Oh my God. But, yeah, what I did was I stripped out all those flavors. So literally three ingredients, cream, sweetened condensed milk, vanilla. Okay. That's all. And then how long does it take to freeze? Also, when you're whipping it, does it actually, like, form stiff peaks or it doesn't quite get to that it just gets real thick and that's when you freeze it it it, like it does whip it takes a while to whip i think the sweetened condensed milk kind of like slows down that Mm. process but Mm -hmm. um it probably takes about twice as long as just plain whipped cream whipping Mm -hmm. and i just do it in my stand mixer which is like 10 still less than 10 10 minutes minutes. Yeah. yeah Yeah, it whips up to, like, soft peaks is where you generally stop it. I think you could take it to stiff peaks, but, like, take it to soft peaks and then just, like, put it in a container. It does take three to four hours to freeze. Mm -hmm. But I just, like, put it in, like, a plastic quart container. Like, I have these, like, freezer containers. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it freezes in, like, three to four hours. Nice. And then it will keep to, like, a scoopable texture in the freezer for a week. Wow. That's amazing. I know. I mean, traditional ice cream, you got to, you know, you're 
cooking it over a double boiler with eggs and trying to keep it from curdling and then straining it because inevitably a little bit of curdling occurs. The whole custard thing. And then it's got to cool. So that takes – you're supposed to cool it for a whole day because if you put it in even just a little bit hot into the ice cream freezing thing, it doesn't work. And so it's like at least a day, sometimes two days. Yeah, very time consuming. As a parent, especially. like Your kids are like, like, let's make ice cream. Like, okay, well, we'll have it this weekend. Do you want it three days from now? Uh, It's a hard sell. That's a pain in the butt. Yeah. I'm overwhelmed just listening to how many, like, you break it down in those steps. It's like, yes, that's why I don't make ice cream right. anymore. Yeah. I feel validated And there is now. a way to make it quicker. So, like, in the Jenny's book, she has you do all the cooking, and then you put the warm custard generally into a Ziploc bag in an ice bath. And so oh, it, that that's cools real it smart. down in about a half an hour, and then you can go straight into the machine from there. Mm-hmm. I always forget to put the damn tub in the freezer. And yeah. so then it's Same. like you're all ready and then it's like, behind. oh, great. Well, I guess I'm going to do this tomorrow instead. Right, right. But yeah, I love that no-churn method. That sounds great. I also save, since you're talking about the quart containers, my mother-in-law loves the Taliente brand gelato, which I think is sold nationally. Mm-hmm. And so I use her leftover containers. So I have like quite the stockpile of those. Those would be perfect. And they're perfect and they're clear so you can see what's in them. So I actually use them for freezing chicken stock and stuff a lot because, you know, you need like a pint or a quart, but yeah. not like right. a whole gallon Ziploc bag. That would be great for freezing the no churn ice cream into because then you could see what's in it. Right. And mm-hmm. you don't have to buy containers. Right. Too. For sure. I'm just sold on it. I think it's yeah a game changer. I would love to try those no-churn ice cream recipes and pair it with Sarah Kiefer's book, 100 Cookies. You oh know, boy. at the back, she has this whole section on making ice cream mm-hmm. sandwiches. Oh. But I haven't really gotten into that, even though I've made a lot of the cookies from that book, because it just feels like a whole big project on top of making cookies. Sure. But the no-churn ice cream seems like a really great way to freeze like maybe half of it into that quart size container or a pint and then take the other half and like make the ice cream sandwiches and put those in the freezer yeah because then it's not like a three-day process right. you know right and my kids always get kind of bored mm-hmm. with like whenever I make stuff like ice cream or a big fancy dessert they're excited until we're about halfway through it so I feel like that would be a good way to mm-hmm. like keep the ice cream itself exciting but then repurpose the other half for some other seemingly completely different dessert right I love the idea of ice cream sandwiches for a dinner party, Mm -hmm. either at your own house or if you're going over to someone's house to like bring ice cream sandwiches and sort of like lowbrow childhood thing, but like everyone would freak out, especially if they were like a really interesting cookie with a really good ice cream. Because like who doesn't love that? Yeah. Yeah. I love, like I love something like move. that that's, like, totally unexpected. Like, I, I recently made donuts and took them, like, to a gathering. Mm, and everyone was like, you so good. made those? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's like baking muffins. Like, it's not complicated. But just, like, putting something into a slightly different format, yes. people are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I got to get that uh, donut recipe for meal. Side it's great. Note. It's on yeah. the New York Times. <laughs> yeah. It's the baked pumpkin donut. Mm. Does I it bought have a chocolate donut in pan. it? No. It doesn't, but they I put dark. chocolate sprinkles on top. Oh, maybe that's why. In the Marco Polo, I was like, yeah. are those chocolate donuts? I know. Yeah. yeah, they have chocolate sprinkles on top. Yum. Rebecca, I feel like you have a source for really good recipe combinations, too, for ice cream. Like, you could do whatever method you want, whether it's, like, America's Test Kitchen or using the traditional ice cream maker or the no-churn thing. But then I think the flexibility comes with what kind of flavors you're going to put in it. 
And I feel like, Rebecca, you were sitting on a cookbook that had some really hmm. good recipes in it. I have this cookbook that's I'm I think came out in the 90s called The Ultimate Ice Cream Book. And I'm I'm not wild about the techniques. I'm but I am wild about all the different flavor combinations. And I'm excited to try Sarah's technique with some of these flavors. And one of the ones that I've made a lot that I used to make for dinner parties is this Earl Grey ice cream with vanilla. And the way you Yum. make it is so good. So the way you make it is it's a traditional custard-based ice cream. You simmer the milk with Earl Grey Ooh. tea bags or, or loose tea and then strain out the tea before you make the ice cream. And it's so delicious. Add vanilla extract. And my favorite way to do it is to make the Earl Grey vanilla ice cream and then towards the end when the ice cream is firming up to crumble um, ginger snaps in the oh. over the top. It's quite good. That sounds yeah. so good. It's really like feels like a, a grown-up ice cream. Yeah. It's totally. kind of a deconstructed ice cream sandwich. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Totally. I'm curious, what is the technique, what's the method of making ice cream for that book? I'm also curious what makes an ice cream a custard. Like, does that mean that you have egg to yolks. cook egg in it? Egg. Okay. Yeah. So you like steep the Earl Grey into the cream mixture, the, the milk mixture, and then at some point you have to add egg yolks and then like whip it and like slowly stir mm -hmm. it over low over heat, heat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. to yeah. thicken it. Yeah, consistently whisking it. And then so you warm up the milk, you add egg and egg yolks, and then you beat it. And this recipe also has you add flour and salt as a thickener, which is a little strange. In um, the Jenny's book, they also do cornstarch into the custard base. So I think that mm -hmm. is a thing that it doesn't it doesn't quite get there all the way on its own, just being the custard. I think it needs something to thicken it. Anyhow, and then you strain it to remove the tea leaves and to remove any bits of egg that have cooked mm -hmm. inadvertently. And then you have to put it in the refrigerator to cool. I love Sarah's suggestion of putting it in a black bag in an ice bath, which reminds me that I also heard of like a fun activity for kids is that you can put the custard in a Ziploc bag and then put it inside another Ziploc bag full of ice oh. and have kids just kind of like manhandle like it and play with play. it. And it makes ice cream. It's like the old fashioned ice cream, um, you know, the churner with ice with and the salt. rock salt in the ice. Yeah. yeah. So I think you add rock salt and ice and then an inner Ziploc bag, the ice cream. So everybody, oh, that's, that's a fun smart. idea for a kid's party is like everyone could add their own flavor. Right. like strawberries and chocolate that's and stuff. That's cool. I think there's also a ball that L.L. Bean or somebody sells. We had one for a while. That you kick you around like a campsite? You play soccer. Yeah. yeah it, did it work? Um, yeah, it worked. We only used it a couple of times. We made frozen yogurt in it, I think. Um, Seems kind of gimmicky. Yeah. It has like a canister inside the ball that's like from the ice cream maker, like it's it's frozen. Mm -hmm. It was fine. It wasn't like consistently mixed, you know, like yeah, it was sure. like there were like some like runny parts and some really frozen parts. Hmm. Yeah. That reminds me of this job that we give to when we're having like a Friendsgiving celebration. We'll put heavy cream in like a little pint jar with, you know, a tight fitting lid and like let the kids take turns shaking it to make mm -hmm. butter. And like if it just like occupies them for like an hour. Right. You know, it doesn't actually take that long to make butter. But when you're handing that job over to small people, they basically just like shake it like the ball thing that yeah. you're talking about yeah. until you get butter. And then you that. have it with your dinner. One of my favorite memories from my childhood is my parents having this big party. I think it might have been a family reunion and getting out the big wooden ice cream churner. Uh -huh. And it, I think it was in August. And so there were fresh peaches mm. and it was a peach, homemade peach ice cream. You know, it was 
dark out. I will set the scene. There were, there were fireflies because it was in Michigan Aww, and so in the cool. Midwest. It was so delicious. It was really good. I didn't believe that fireflies were a real thing, like lightning hmm. bugs, right? This is the same thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe that those were real until I was in my <laughs> 20s and I was in Oklahoma for the first time yeah. and I saw them. I always thought it was like this understood thing in the world on commercials. Like they're like unicorns. A whimsical, like they don't exist. Yeah, they, yeah. it doesn't exist. It's just like a whimsical add-on to car commercials, <laughs> you know? That must have been a fun moment. It blew my them. mind. <laughs> I've never seen them. I've never been to the Midwest. They're so I've cool. been to Chicago, but I haven't seen them. I think Chicago. they have them in the South, too. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they don't have the them in Portland. Coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a They're West pretty Coast amazing. Thing. It is amazing. I mean, stuff like that just blows my mind. Even still, 20 years later, my mind's being blown just talking yeah. about it. I love it. <laughs> Lots of them in Brooklyn. I remember seeing those in oh, really? summer nights when I lived in Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah. That's and cool. they're real dumb. I mean, you could catch, you can easily, you know, there's like, you've probably read books with kids running around catching, catching them in jars. Yeah. And it's because it's dead easy. Uh-huh. I don't know if they're at the end of their life when they're lighting up or they're drunk or something, uh-huh. but they're not, not very drunk, good flyers. But they're just really easy to catch. They're kind of like those box elder bugs, you know, right. like these uh-huh. just like derpy just bugs. Yeah. yeah. We don't have bugs like that in Oregon, I don't feel like. But in Oklahoma, they also have June bugs, which are really mm. sweet and also kind of similar, where they're just kind of big bumbling, not super coordinated, goofy bugs that are also very easy to catch and interesting. Totally. I do feel like the (laughs) custard ice cream is like more of a classic ice cream Mm -hmm. than this like no churn. But I do have a recipe that combines the two, Mm. a no churn custard based one, which adds a few more steps. It's from the Canet et Vigny cookbook. It's just called No Churn Honey Vanilla Ice Cream. I love that cookbook. It's really, really good. At some point, we'll just have to do a whole cookbook episode on that cookbook. Yeah, it's a really great cookbook. But you do the custard on the stove and the the whisking and all of that. And then you pour that into your mixer Mm -hmm. with the cream and and no churn it up. You have to whip the cream for a while because it's hot, but the whipping of it cools it down. It's also completely sweetened with honey. So it has a very strong honey flavor, even though Mm. she calls it a vanilla ice cream. But like, really, it's honey ice cream. Oh, I love that. It's really good. And then for Cookbook Club, when we did that book, Betsy made that. And instead of using vanilla, she used olive oil. Uh And it was Mm. phenomenal. Like that salt and straw olive oil ice cream. Yeah. Yum. So really delicious. And I feel like it's slightly more complicated than no churns. You know, if you want a little bit of like more of a challenge, but you don't want to go to like the whole thing with the ice cream canister and all of that, you could make that one. And it's really good. And it's also smooth as silk. It's Mm. so, so good. And it keeps really well for a few days. I bet the honey is similar to corn syrup and then it's like the stinky Mm -hmm. thick. I was just imagining, I wonder if it'd be good with maple syrup because I like that flavor so much more, but I don't think it would have that same consistency. Yeah. Yeah. It'd also be super expensive. Yeah, like maple syrup is just really expensive. Although the honey is not cheap either. Yeah, I have bees, so I would love to make that recipe this summer when I finally get to harvest some honey from my beehives. That's yeah, so, fun. so many good ice cream recipes. Can I talk about a grown-up specific? Yes. Yeah, girl. frozen dessert. Leave the kids out of it. Yes, get right down to it. Um, so while the kids are eating watermelon granitas, I think the grown-ups should have a boozy ice cream, or rather, a boozy frozen pop. And Mm -hmm. foodandwine.com, the food and wine magazine, we'll link to this in the show notes, but they have some really good boozy ice creams that you can make at home. And two of them in particular are extremely easy. One of them is called a cucumber lime pop with gin. 
And that is like the perfect thing to serve at a party. It's very, very easy to put together. And because it has alcohol in it, it's not going to freeze hard. And so what this recipe does that's really interesting is it also calls for a really tiny amount of powdered gelatin that you mix in at the end. So it kind of holds it together. Mm -hmm. I made the whole recipe in like 15 to 30 minutes, I would say. So you start by making a simple syrup with mint in it. So the mint kind of like seeps into the hot simple syrup for about 15 minutes. And then eventually you strain that and you mix it in with lime juice, lime zest, like a quarter cup of gin. So not a whole lot of gin. And then an entire pureed cucumber. So the cucumber is really like the base. And the simple syrup is really just a small amount to sweeten it. And then you pour it into little tiny Dixie cups. Like I could use my mini muffin tin and put those little tiny Dixie cups in it. And then pour, what is that, like maybe a quarter of a cup of the liquid in each little one. And then put a little popsicle stick in it and then put them in the freezer for a couple hours until they're hard frozen. You mix the gelatin in like just at the end. You microwave it actually with a tiny amount of water for like seven Mm. or eight seconds. And that's enough to kind of get the gelatin activated. And then you mix it into your liquid Mm. and then put it in the freezer. The end product is like so refreshing because you're just basically eating frozen cucumber, which is awesome. And there is a gin hit, but it's not like overwhelming. Okay. But it's also very noticeable. So Hmm. obviously don't make it. Part of the flavor profile. Yeah. Don't make it if you don't like gin. But it (laughs) seems like a great recipe that's really versatile and you could easily put in like a flavored vodka instead of gin if that's like not your thing. Mm -hmm. It seems like you could put in a flavored vodka and then some like blueberry puree in addition to the cucumber puree. Just seems endlessly flexible. And the small amount of the serving is great because then people can have one as like a novelty and then they can have more if they want to without feeling overwhelmed being committed to this giant boozy popsicle. If you're going to throw a summer party and you want to keep things easy, the dessert should be this dessert because then Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about anything. Like it's just done ahead. It's very easy to execute. Yeah. I just got really passionate talking about all that. (laughs) Very exciting. They have another uh, frozen grown-up popsicle from Food & Wine that's a frozen gin and tonic, which also looks really fun that you would make with um, tonic water as your like liquid base Mm. in that also. That's one that I would like to try out later this summer. Do you think you could serve that as like an before a meal, before like an aperitif? Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. During like a little appetizer Uh hour if you had people over and like... On a hot night, a mm-hmm. boozy popsicle, like some Vietnamese kick off food the or party. something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like that. Like greeting people at the door with a. Pop. Yes, right. there's been a trend, and I don't know if this is true in other places, but in Oregon, a lot of restaurants have had a trend of serving um, frozen uh, adult drinks, like froze. Right. I think boozy popsicles are becoming a bigger thing. Like every summer, I feel like oh, I yeah. see more and more articles about boozy popsicles. Yeah, totally. And you have a totally awesome popsicle mold. I do. Yeah. I wish I had known about that when I was making these because they're the perfect size for a boozy yeah. popsicle. I have this little popsicle mold. It's from the company is Zoku. Um, they make a lot of like popsicle related things. And they make this tiny little, I think they're probably one ounce popsicles. They're just like a little ball. And they come with a little little plastic stick, and the the form is actually silicone, so they're really easy to like grab out of there. And I used it all the time to make popsicles for my kids when they were toddlers, because they can't handle a full size popsicle; it just melts all over their shirt. Mm-hmm. But they could finish one of these before it got melty. So 
we got a lot of mileage out of that for a long time. And now maybe it's time to put it to work doing some boozy popsicles. <laughs> yeah, I think these recipes would still make a good grown-up popsicle and just not put the booze in. Sure. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, I want to eat a frozen cucumber mint popsicle in of summer. So refreshing. Great? Yeah. Marcella Hazan has a gelato recipe that you've made before, Sarah? She has a couple of gelato recipes in, in her book, The Essentials of Italian the Cooking. The Essentials of Italian Cooking. The, I always was confused about what the difference between gelato and ice cream was. And it turns out that it's a, like a little bit of a, there isn't like a hard line in the sand on like how to define it. But generally it doesn't use cream. It uses whole milk instead. So it's like a little bit of a lower fat content. Mm. Gelato is? Gelato, yeah, mm. which is kind of interesting. And she said fewer egg yolks, but there is still egg yolks in it. So it is still like a custard mm -hmm. based. I thought it was interesting. It was more or less, you know, a similar sort of like custard situation and then you did it in the in the ice cream machine she did call for having alcohol in it as well and i thought it was like too boozy you know you put the alcohol in to keep it from freezing but then like i don't feel like it should taste like alcohol and i felt like you could really taste it she called for grand marnier oh okay and then like some orange rind in the milk which was interesting that but would make it very detectable texture wise it just like didn't really do it for me okay i mean obviously like gelato is amazing like you go to italy and have some but like i'm mm. i just like I feel like if I wanted to perfect gelato at home, I would have to like really dig into some other mm -hmm. techniques and methods and the science behind it and all of that, especially when you're dealing with the lower fat content. We cooked from that cookbook for Cookbook Club, and I think that we all didn't have an amazingly, overwhelmingly positive response to it because it... I think the conclusion was that that book was groundbreaking for its day, but that book has been out for like multiple mm -hmm. decades. Yeah. And so maybe when it came out, it blew people's minds that they could make gelato at home. Right. But now we're kind of like 30 years past that realization right. and it doesn't quite hold up. Right. For sure. I have a question about no churn ice cream, if we can circle back. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a theoretical question. I think the beauty of the no churn ice cream to me is that it's no heat. Right. But what if you made that no churn ice cream base and put it in an ice cream freezer? Is there room for improvement? You're saying it's the best ice cream you've ever had, yeah. commercial or uh, homemade. Do you think it could be improved by whipping it in the or by aerating it? Like I think the part of what makes soft serve such a fun experience is the luxuriousness of the the airy texture. Right. And I wonder what would happen if you put the um, no churn in an ice cream freezer. I think actually that with the no churn, because you're whisking it in a stand mixer, I think you're actually aerating it more than you would normal ice cream. I think that might be what's a happening because it's a, a whisk and you're whipping yeah. it like whipped cream. So I think oh, it's actually yeah. more aerated, which might be part of why it's so good. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Cool. Okay. I, cool. I feel like my ice cream maker, the point of the turning thing is just so mm -hmm. it's trying to like freeze it evenly. Mm -hmm. I used to work in marketing in a past life and I worked on the Tillamook cheese account for many years mm. and I got to go see their gigantic freezer where they make what? the ice cream. What? Why did it take till now to get this <laughs> information from you? It just dawned on me that like that's the most important thing about making ice cream is to freeze it as quickly as possible after you mix it. And the worst thing that you can do for the quality of your ice cream is take it out of the freezer case at the store and check out and have it sit in your car and drive home and then put it back in the freezer. Like to keep your ice cream the best quality, it's supposed to be as frozen as possible without thawing. Huh. And so at Tillamook, they have this giant, like, spider-like machine. You walk into this gigantic warehouse that's, like, all freeze. It's a frozen room that's, like, a gigantic warehouse room. Oh, and they so have this, like... come true. I hate being hot. 
That's funny. They have this like conveyor belt thing that like literally goes up in the air and like crisscrosses and there's quarts of ice cream on it and they're spinning individually while they're like crisscrossing in the air cool. so what? that they get as go far as so possible. Me too. It was pretty cool. Wow. I did have a lot of perks when I used to yeah. work in that uh, industry, and that was certainly one of them. Remember the keep it cool bags they used to have? Maybe this is just in the Midwest. If you were checking out at the grocery store, they had these special paper bags. You know, They'd put your groceries in a paper bag, but if you had ice cream, they'd put in a special paper bag called keep it cool. Ooh. So it was like, like insulated? A, uh, just heavier paper yeah interesting yeah. <laughs> you've never heard of that no mylar bags that i think are i think they do actually say keep it cool on the side or cool cool down that's or something i'm thinking of i have the mylar they deliver, bag yeah they can... deliver my meat csa in them and they're like <laughs> yeah. this will keep it cold like it'll keep it frozen for hours on your front porch really yeah mm-hmm. i've my... never tested that theory like we always bring it in right away but yeah they come in a mylar bag um, also, I dare you to make that no churn ice cream and not to eat like 12 spoonfuls of the whipped cream before you freeze it because oh, the whipped cream God, with I the sweetened condensed cream. milk in it is like the silkiest, mm. most full-bodied whipped cream you've ever tasted in your life. That sounds so good. Challenge accepted. <laughs> I'm like envisioning making like layered parfaits, you know? Yeah. Like I, used to, I did that one year for Friendsgiving mm. where I made before I had no, I think I had a kid actually, but I made this like layered pumpkin mousse Ooh. and then you put in like, you know, the crunchy things and the mm. whip and then yeah. you make trifle. another layer. Yeah. yeah. Is it a trifle? That sounds like a trifle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yum. So good. Those were the days. God, I love dessert. I just, I know. all my teeth are sweet teeth. Me too. Thank you, Rebecca, so much for being here. We always love having you join us for Cookbook Club podcast. Thanks for inviting me to talk about one of my favorite subjects. Hey, Sarah, did you realize it's been almost a whole year since we've been doing Cookbook Club podcast? I can't even believe it. It seems like it's so exciting. It's totally flown by. Yeah. We're planning to do a special episode wrap up of season one. It feels so exciting to say season one before we do season two. That's right. And we'd love your guys' help with that episode. So we're going to be revisiting some of the cookbooks and recipes we've talked about this year. And then we're also going to be answering some listener questions. So if you guys have questions, you can send them to us via Instagram or you can email them to us at cookbookclubshow at gmail.com. We're going to be recording that in early August. So make sure you get them to us before then yeah and we can't wait to see what kind of questions you have for us or what things you want to hear us chit chat about join us next time when we'll be cooking from mongji's big book of korean cooking by mongji sarah why did we pick this book Okay, it's a really fun, huge recipe collection from Mongchi, who's been called the, the YouTube Korean Julia Child. Cook along with us between now and then. Just tag us on Instagram at Cookbook Club Show or send us a voice memo or a comment at cookbookclubshow at gmail.com. You can find us online at cookbookclub.show. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss the next one. And leaving us a review really helps other home cooks find us too. Our podcast is truly a labor of love and it really sends us over the moon when we read one of your thoughtful reviews. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You know that Mo Phillips song, Ice Cream? No. It's so good. Mo Phillips, like a Portland kid singer. Uh-huh. Ice cream, congratulations, you've got ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun. It's like easy to get in your head. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs>